Hi there, and welcome back to the Community Strategy Podcast. My name is Deb Shell. I'm a creator turned community builder. After launching my online community in 2020, I have a passion for online events and bringing people together. I now consult business owners and leaders just like yourself who have a message, their life's work, or a vision for helping others transform through their online courses, cohorts, or memberships. On this interview style podcast, you'll hear conversations with community leaders, passion for bringing people together online. Our goal is to provide you with interesting conversations to inspire you to build, launch, and grow an online community with energy, confidence, and purpose. Let's get started. Hello. Hi there and welcome. Thanks for returning back to the Community Strategy Podcast. My name is Deb Shaw. I am the host. And today I am joined by Adrian Spire. He is the head of community at Higher Logic. He's also the author of the new book, The Accidental Community Manager. Welcome, Adrian, to the Community Strategy Podcast. Hello. Thank you so much for having me, Deb. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> I'm excited you're here too. Uh, so I'm excited to hear a little bit about your journey. I did start reading the book and so uh, diving into that a little bit. Um, but I really am excited to learn about, you know, I you share in the book how you kind of got into this community industry as an accidental community manager. But I wanted to you to share what that means for the audience, how you define an accidental community manager uh, based on what you've experienced and what what you write in the book. Yeah, well, I'll take it a step back and I'll just say, um, you know, I'm very lucky that I've been in the uh, platform vendor space for many years and I've interacted with so many wonderful community managers. And what would always happen, which I found funny, is people would say to me, oh, I, you know, I was a teacher or I was uh a physical education instructor, or I was a bartender, or I was a theater major, and somehow I'm now a community manager. And, you know, kind of this, this idea of the accidental community manager kind of popped into my head a couple of years ago, actually, because I own the domain. I bought the accidental community manager.com thinking <laughs> I'll do something with it. Of course you, of uh, course you did. Yeah. And um, so for, for my case, it was, it's, it's simply, I guess and the most common one is I was a marketing man. So let me take it back. I'd always been building communities for hobbies and fun stuff and not, it was just, you know, friends getting together, really small communities, maybe a couple of hundred folks and things of this nature. Anyways, long story short, I started my professional career. I'm working and um, I, I'm doing all kinds of marketing roles. I'm a marketing manager. And then one day my boss just says, Hey, we want to do a community. You like people. Uh, how'd you like to be a community manager for this? new community that we're building for a month. And I worked at a multi-billion dollar company. So it was like, now all of a sudden, I think I talk about in the book, like it's, it's one thing when you're doing like a hobby community with a couple of friends. And it's a whole nother thing when you're working at a multi-billion dollar company and they're saying, Hey, go take out the Porsche for a spin around and, you know, Hey, don't, by the way, don't screw up or, you know, blow things up. So um, that to me was, um, you know, my kind of introduction into the accidental community manager. So for me, it, it's, um, and, and specifically, I talk about B2B communities. So I'm really looking at folks that are doing this professionally. Certainly, like if you're, you know, having a hobby form for your favorite band and, and, and you have a community, certainly you're a community manager. But I specifically in this book, I was aiming at, you know, people that end up having a career, like their paycheck is 
uh, around managing these communities, especially in the B2B space. Although I've taught, you know, worked with B2C and nonprofits and things of this nature, I felt that there was a need for a book in the B2B space that hadn't been written. So um, I wrote it. Yeah, I uh, I can see from just like reading the beginnings of it, just learning about your experience and background. And like, you're, you're really like in the frontier days, basically of trying to like dig through this. What is this thing called community? And uh, without having the tools or the toolbox or the directions to put things together and assembly, you know? Well, yeah. And, and, and there were hard put everything together. Right. Yeah, and I think as well. Like I was, I've been reflecting about this the last little while. Um, There wasn't really a community of community managers. Like there were people. There's pot. There. I mean, if you go look, there there were people talking about community management as a as a career, and there was people were putting stuff out. But there wasn't. You got to remember. I mean, you probably remember, but you know, for those that don't remember, and like the in like the two thousand early two thousands. The internet was such a new thing that really your knowledge was like the smartest people that you knew. That was your internet, you know, it was kind of, you know, so to be able to go out there and kind of ask a generic question on social media that didn't exist to say, hey, who's a community manager? Like, who can help me? It wasn't that. It was like, who in your like immediate circle of people do you know? I mean, we're, we're, we're you know, if I take a time machine and if you recall, like we're talking about when. MSN Messenger and Yahoo Messenger were a thing. And that's how you met people, really. Like there wasn't these, you know, there were Usenets and, and BBSs and things of this nature, but it wasn't really like, there wasn't really a way to go and, and like join a community club or or a CMX and kind of be like, hey, like, can someone help me? Like my boss just told me to run a community and I don't know what to do. I mean, and there were resources out there, but it's kind of like, how do you, how do you discover those when it's something that you're not exposed to? And so um, you know, I've been asked before about like what the, why I wrote this book or kind of what the thought was. This book was the book that I hope that a time traveler will go back in time and leave on my desk. You know, it was to kind <laughs> of fill in the soup to nuts of all the little things that one needs that I didn't have. And 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 there are certainly a lot of great authors out there that have put out really great um, content. I just felt that this was a book that was missing uh, from, from, my, from my perspective. And I think, you know, based on feedback I've had from a lot of folks, that they kind of feel the same way. Yeah, I haven't read a book and I've read several books around community in the last couple of years, <laughs> just several. Um, but yeah, this doesn't, this feels a lot different than um, a lot of the other books. And it's really directed at the actual person in the role and kind of like a play-by-play almost kind of like, here's our plan for attack for this thing. And uh, I liked your writing style and your approach to it. It was very different than, um, and I think it's needed because there is a lot out there as far as like consulting for business people in the community space, Yeah, you know, like having a strategy and a plan. And I think your book really seemed to be like, okay, if you don't have any of the nice to have things, here's what you need to do <laughs> to like pop, yeah. put, put that together. But also like, I didn't get into some of the B2B practices. So I definitely want you to, to kind of outline like some of the really great examples in the book that, you know, I like what your terms were around, you know, these are things that make 
a community's success or, or fail pretty yeah. quickly. There's a couple key things, I think. Well, I think the thing was that I was trying to, you, you know, think about is I wanted to write this, like if no one had a mentor, if they needed a mentor, it's kind of like I'm on the side coaching. Like it's anyone that knows me can hear me, hear me when they're yes. in the book, like, right? Like I'm there and I'm kind of like, okay, we're going to do this and we're going to. I heard your voice. Yeah. Yeah. Like you can, you can hear, like, I mean, that was the whole point. I I mean, and, and why it also took so long so I could get it right. Um, yeah. But I mean, and, and also like, it also varies too, right? I, I've worked with companies where they have teams of community individuals and I have it where people are alone and they don't have anyone. And, um, you know, that was kind of what I was trying to aim for this book is to have a way that, you know, if you're a team of one, like what are all the things that you need to know? And even if you're not going to do it yourself, like it's great to know some of the tools and things that you um, can come to, to come look at and think on. So, um, yeah. you know, that was kind of the thought and um, especially with B2B, you know, to specifically, specifically answer, answer you was, um, there, there's some differences uh, versus like uh, a, a B2C community or nonprofit is there are certain considerations. And one of those considerations that, you know, I, I, I talk about a bit is the importance of the branded community. Now, certainly, of course, I've worked at a vendor and I, I have a certain point of view, but that has informed me in terms of, you know, how much value businesses get from having an own community brand community. And I'm certainly never, you'll never hear me say that you shouldn't build on other places because it's, it's the idea is that you need to be kind of where your audience is and use these other opportunities to engage and identify and, up, you know, uh, amplify things. But my argument is that a brand community is the home that you want to kind of bring all this st stuff into where it has a sense of permanence. It has uh, an ability to have a bit of control. Uh, you know, maybe it's timely that I'm doing a lot. People have seen me doing a lot of interviews and things. Maybe it's timely that I'm doing a lot of uh, quote unquote uh, press and promotion around the book at a time when Elon is exact. Elon Musk is showing us why it's a, a challenge when you build on uh, platforms you don't own. All it takes is someone comes in, changes the rules. And uh, when I was writing the book, what I was talking about was um, a lot of the stuff I faced early on in my marketing career when Facebook kind of changed the rules for a lot of folks. Like we, like early on in marketing, that if you wanted to build a community, you put up a page and you would, you know, market the hell out of it. Like you would, you know, do a lot of advertising, you'd get all these people to like your page and then the, the idea was you could put a post and people could connect and have those conversations. But lo and behold, you know, Facebook said, now, if you want to contact people that are liking your page, you have to pay. You know, there was always advertising before, but they, 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 or not, you know, at the very beginning, but early on there was advertising, but then they made it basically, didn't matter if you had 4 million followers on your page, you want to talk to them, you have to pay in order to get into the newsfeed and have that conversation. And so that was an awakening for a lot of folks about, Hey, we're actually helping build these networks. We're helping build these social media networks. And so uh, basically my point that I was saying in the book was, well, this is a consideration that you have to um, think about when you're building for business because you know you're 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 essentially handing over data of your customers to this third party and you don't have access to it. Like if you have a million people on your Facebook page and you want to send them an offer or if someone writes a nasty review about one of your products, you don't know if they're a customer, you don't know if they're a competitor. And um, I don't know if you've noticed this, but on like on Facebook groups, like they can, uh, another group can advertise against you or, or, or put up ads in that way. So it's kind of a weird, like, 
or, or whatever things that they change. I mean, um, you and I were just talking before uh, you hit record and, uh, you know, there was that law in Australia that they were doing for news and they, they said, hey, we're going to pull out. Well, Canada is now going through its own thing that Facebook is threatening to pull out. And I'm obviously I'm Canadian, so I'm very aware of all, all the things that are going on around that. But what I'm saying is that they're they're kind of controlling. And if you're a company that's in that space, well, you, you may lose an opportunity to engagement. And so, you know, I, I just tell people like, you know, you use all those tools. Like it's it, the audiences are there, right? There's billions of people on Facebook and that's an opportunity to kind of engage them and make them aware. But the the point is to build your, 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 your home, your true home on something that you can control and, um, you know, have the ability to engage in the way that you think is appropriate and also have a bit of control for your brand in terms of, uh, you know, responsibility and point of view and, and, you know, all the things that you want, you don't want to be tied to a third party in terms of, how they make decisions. Um, you know, so that's kind of my thought on that. No, I, yeah. And I, I think it's so interesting. Like we were talking about, like just where we are in time span of the, just all of these things changing really quickly. I don't know. Have you ever heard of the term um, cultural software? No, that's uh, I don't, I haven't heard that. Okay. I wanted to ask you, because it was on my mind uh, recently with Mighty Network's new um, <clears throat> relaunch and and what they're doing with their platform, and they're calling it cultural software. And so there's some frameworks around that that they're describing, but it's just this another buzzword. And um, I'm, you know I'm curious yeah. about like what your thought is on these these new terms that keep coming out that people, I feel like, want to create that already exist and then redefine them. Do you find that interesting? Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, it is actually a, a post I had the other day on LinkedIn about uh, you know dark social. Like everyone's talking about dark social, right? Uh, which, which the idea is that you know the connections are happening invisibly in, in DMs and marketers can't track stuff. And um, and I was saying, hey, that you know, forget dark social. What about dark community? You know, to me, is even a bigger thing because um, you know there's forums and other spaces that people are having these conversations and connections or, you know, cause community is not only about forums, it's also in-person events and connections that happen that, you know, but at the end of the day, let's, let's be honest. It's all kind of marketing BS because it's just word of mouth for the most part. I mean, that's, they just gave it a different terminology, but you know, that doesn't sell books and gets likes on Facebook or LinkedIn or makes you look like a thought leader or, 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 or have that bit. But, um, you know, sometimes you sometimes, but I guess the, the lesson though, and I kind of talk about that in the book too, is sometimes you have to talk the talk to get your point across. So in, in the sense that um, I wanted a term dark, dark community, because um, I don't know if I'm the first to say it, but I'm, I'm certainly being an advocate of it. It's like, if your marketing team is talking to you about dark social, have them talk about dark community, because as community builders, we want to get our, um, the credit for the community work that we're doing. And so what I've noticed is there's a lot of companies now that have bought into this dark social and are trying to track it. And what I mean, I actually showed a screenshot on my LinkedIn of it. They're, they send like a survey afterwards, like, Hey, where did you hear about us? Because they're trying to, their, their marketing software is saying, okay, we've got this new account that somehow came. We don't know how, we don't know if it was from a friend, an email, a coupon, uh, you know, somehow. So that what they'll do is they'll do these surveys, right. To ask folks, um, hey, how did you hear about us? And inevitably, they don't put community is not a, a, an offer on there. It's always social media or email or friend. And I'm saying, hey, we need to 
inform these marketing teams, please, please include community, um, you know, so that community gets the uh, the benefit that it, it, of it getting under report because otherwise it's under other. And well, I don't know about you, but when you're given multiple choice in a, in a survey, you're tend to going to choose from one of the things that are there. And you may not think about forums if it's under other, but if it's there, at least as a selection, maybe there's a bigger chance that that gets credit. And I want community teams to get as much credit as possible. And so the way that you do that is you kind of go into their buzzword kingdom, right? Which is now instead of word of mouth, it's dark social and Hey, now we've got dark community. So, Hey, let's push dark community and get, get people to start thinking about how does community impact at, you know, attribution. And, um, you know, I think, I think Richard Millington today, uh, what's the date today? So we, we, you know, people looking November 9th, I don't know when they'll hear this recording, but he had a post today about uh, revenue generation. And, you know, I talk about that a lot in the book about, you know, uh, you know, uh, having impact and things of this nature, but, you know, it's really important to, to, to think more than just cost savings, but to think about, you know, uh, how does, how does the community have impact for you on revenue? And one of those ways is, is, is talking about dark social and things of this nature, right. That you can um, kind of get people to start thinking about, okay, how did our community have impact? And, um, one of those ways is also making sure that your analytics is across your digital uh, ecosystem, including your community. Because sometimes people forget actually to put, I, I found they, they forget to put their Google Analytics or whatever tracking they have across their other digital properties so that people know, okay, the community had an impact. It's really important. And um, especially as we're facing dire economic times where people are looking at you know, the value of the work that they do, we got to make sure that stuff gets measured. So I'm a you know big proponent of that uh, as much as I can to advocate it, and I, I spent a lot of time in the book talking about that. Yeah, I think uh, I loved this where you have a sentence on page 11 for anybody who's like got the book at hand, and it says, "By the end of this book, I hope you'll see that a community role is actually a career path of its own. You are the the heart of a customer experience. You are." doing real advocate marketing and you are crucial frontline to PR work. You're the essential piece of reducing frustration as customers seek self-support. And I think one of the biggest amazing things that communities do is help people, help people get to the resources they need, help them connect to the people they need to connect. And I see you have a friend. Hi, friend. Pause for anybody like listening. Adrian's dog is taking over his keyboard and (laughs) studio space. (laughs) Sorry, uh, the dog is the dog wants a treat, and I'll just give the dog a treat. Okay, (laughs) there we go. Give the dog a treat. (laughs) I I love her name's Lulu, and she's lovely, but uh, Lulu. Oh, now now um, she's happy. <laughs> what do you what do you feel like um, has been the key to a community manager feeling like they are valued? That's a great question. I think. that the most important thing is being respected for the um, experience and work and trusted to be that voice. And um, it goes to kind of the story I, I, I told in the book that almost didn't make in the book. I was actually told to remove it about my big failure of launching this engineering community. Um, and 
it was that I didn't trust, like they paid me to manage the community, but I didn't trust myself to kind of be the person that could say, no, this is the right way to do something. And this is not the right way to do stuff. And, and so um, it's a bit of, of, of having that respect, but also having the belief in yourself. Um, And I kind of want this book to kind of be there to kind of say like, you can do it. And if, if they're putting you in charge, I think I say that in the book, if they're putting you in charge of the community, right. Then that's, that's some kind of anointment or, or, uh, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, acknowledgement that they're trusting you to build this, right. Cause if they've put you in charge, so you, you need if to, you, yes, you, you kind of in the role. Yeah. You they need have to deemed that you are worthy. Yeah, you don't so, need to ask for that permission. You need yeah. to step up into that role. And sometimes people have a hard time um, that I've seen, you know, and, and it takes confidence. It does. It does. And I, and I fully admit when I first got my first role in my early twenties, I was not confident, but I'm hoping this book will help and say, you're, you weren't alone. Uh, and, and, and here's some ideas and concepts and things of this nature. And hopefully you have people in your company that will, uh, be more senior, you know, I, I mean, when I was coming up, we were still dealing with a lot of older people that did things the old way. And I th- think hopefully now that, uh, you know, there's been a bit of a, a tide shift in that, that there's, uh, you know, um, you know, I, I, as, as an example, I worked at one company that to use social media, it was banned within the company. Like I was managing Twitter and Facebook from my personal cell phone on my own data because I couldn't access it from my computer because it was completely banned. They didn't want even the marketing team to access um, yeah. those kinds of tools. And I don't think we're there now. Like I think most people that are in marketing would, would probably have access to social media to do their job. Um, and so, uh, you know, from that, from that aspect, I think that that's, you know, hopefully you can find someone who believes in you and will support the work that you're doing, but it also requires a bit of, you know, hey, I'm going to do this because I think it's the right thing. And the, the other beauty, like I to call back to something earlier, was um, thankfully there's a larger community of community folks out there. You know, uh, and you know that, Dad. Like we we see each other at shows, or uh, like there's no community builder I've ever encountered that if you reached out to them on LinkedIn and said, "Hey, I really think that what you're building is cool. Like I'd love to chat and learn more." will say no to you. They'll always say yes. They're, you know, maybe it's not the right time or you'll have to find a schedule, but they're, they're, you know, community people are by far the most generous with their time and want to help one another. We're all part of a, 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 you know, I don't like to communities kind of, you know, an overused word, but we're all part of this movement of trying to bring people together and, 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 and build this really, um, you know, great industry together. And so I think that people are for the most part, very welcoming and open and willing to share. And I, um, and I, I would say also don't be shy to like reach out to people that are building at companies that you respect or, um, and, and find out from them and learn. And, and you, you'll, you'll be amazed that everyone kind of has the same challenges. Like that's, that's the funny thing I always find. Like everyone always feels like, Oh, I, my, my boss doesn't understand what I'm doing. And then they talk to someone else and they're like, oh yeah, no one's boss understands what they're doing. We, <laughs> none know? of us know what's going, we don't have it figured out. Guess what? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we don't have it figured out. <laughs> I mean, listen, I wrote a book. And I still don't have it figured out. Right. Like it, they're, they're still so, I mean, I think the problem is when you start to think that you're an expert and you know, everything is when you're actually going to be in trouble. 
Um, but I and think- everything changes and it's so rapidly yeah. changing so fast. Um, the technology is changing the way people, human beings are interacting is changing the way, um, society yeah. is reacting constantly to the changes is changing. Yeah. Um, I agree with the technology when I was right. So many shifts. Well, I mean, when I was writing the chapter on technology tools, like I was debating it because I was like, if I name any tool in six months time, that tool might not be there anymore. You know, and then it's kind of a weird thing. So I try to avoid tools and more about the, the what the tool allows you to do. But you know what? There's things that are going to come out probably like in a couple of years from now that, you know, like, oh, I should have talked about that. Yeah, that's what I was going to, I was going to ask you, like, what is, are the necessary elements to a really successful community strategy for a B2B community when they're just starting out, we'll start with a starter bucket people of like starting out, um, what's essential? Yeah. So I, I, I talk about in the book, there's uh, the framework that I talk about with, and it starts with MVP principles, um, which is knowing that community is about building for people and that you have two, two types. You have your external folks. Those are the people that you want to have come join your community. You need to have a conversation with them to understand what their motivations, what they care about. You know, there's so many times I'll hear people want to start a community and they're like, it's going to be this, and it's going to be that. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. It's like, well, did you talk to anyone? Is this actually what people want? Are they, you know, are you solving anything for them? You know, like, oh, what a, what an idea. Um, but, but what I find is where the failure ends up happening is they also don't talk about their internal uh, people. And when I mean the internal people, the common term would be stakeholders. And I think, you know, I don't want to blame. Um, it's too easy to blame it, but I'll just say that a lot of community failures or reductions in staff and things that happen ha- is, is this imbalance that happens where you community builders are building really great communities that could solve for problems to their community and are kind of ignoring their stakeholders in the sense that they haven't, I know it's icky, it's disgusting, and it's, it's it's hard, but at the end of the day, it's about making your stakeholders look good at the company. And what are, what are some of the ways that you can help with community to make that happen, to be aligned and having those conversations? And I think that's an important thing that you know, unfortunately, maybe not as many people are comfortable with doing, but it's a conversation that needs to happen. And my whole career and, and this book as well, I always have made it clear, you want to own this conversation and you want to you want to be able to guide the company to how the community can have an impact on, on the company rather than someone coming to you and saying, why do we have you on our, our payroll? Yeah. Why do we have a community? What, you know, I don't understand. Um, you know, if you've already had that conversation up front and kind of built that in there, then hopefully it's it. it I'm not saying that that will protect you, you know, because you, you you know the winds of change are always out there. But at least you know you've given your best shot, as opposed to kind of being caught by the surprise of, hey, you know, you know, what's the what, why do we why do we pay you this money and why do, why are we paying for a software and you know justify your existence? It's a lot easier if you like, oh, you know, hey Joe, like we met last week and here's my uh, here's the things that we're doing. And so uh, moving forward, I have the span concept, which is that B2B communities generally fall into one of four quadrants, product sp- uh, support, ambassadors, or networking. And each one of those 
are really important and I see them as interconnected. Like every really healthy community will have all four elements. So I have a, a an image in there of it's like a puzzle piece where they're all interconnected. Um, but the, but the idea is that when people start community, they get so excited, they want to do all the things all at once. So the idea was like, choose one of the quadrants, work on uh, understanding it really well of what you're trying to achieve. And sometimes you, you get it wrong. Like you, I, I talk about like we first launched our internal success community for our customers. We thought it would be really good for support it turned out that people wanted to talk to us about product. That was actually what was the number one use case. And people wanted to submit ideas on how we could make the product better and have a conversation with our product team and have a bit more visibility into the roadmap. And that took off. And then once we achieved our goals that we had set out, we then moved into doing support when the time was right. Uh, right now we're doing networking and eventually we'll move into ambassador programs. And so we're going to do all the things, but we're hyper-focused on that area. And then uh, fully through is something called Cargo, which is the framework to, to build this plan on. So once you choose your span, you're going to have either a product or support community. There's basically these five questions or five words that I um, suggest that people look at to um, build their community. So it's concept, acquisition, retention, goals, and outcomes. And, and, and if you can answer those five questions and you're able to then um, kind of go through and figure the, uh, you know, figure out the um, the best way to build your community. And, and so, uh, you know, the concept is really important because if you say you're doing a product community, then your goal should be product related. And if you're doing a support community, they should be, you know, support related. And I found that a lot of times when people fill out this one sheet, they'll start to see, oh, you know what? I'm saying it's a product community, but all my goals are are support. Well, I've got to I've got to readdress this and figure it out because I'm obviously doing the wrong thing. And so those five are kind of like all connected weight wise and kind of figured out like, oh, okay, the concept I need to change or tweak or um, fill that out. And um, you know, I, every company that I know that's gone through it has found it really helpful because it ends up being this one sheet that they can look at. And it's a living document where they could say, you know what, maybe our goals change, maybe our concept needs a, a twist, maybe the way we're acquiring people is the wrong way, or we're not doing a good job with retention, and you know, it all gets impacted and changed all 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 along the way. Yeah, it's so interesting, um, and I love the the models that you're you're spanning out, and a couple of things just to highlight on there. I work a lot with clients on discovery interviews of ideal member interviews because knowing the, the ideal people that you want to host and help and support in your community will allow you to understand the problems you solve much better and that need to be solved and then getting the validation that this space is needed as well as like they want to show up there. I think you earlier you mentioned about sometimes you do have there's a part of it where you do have to meet them where they're at, right? So you do have to like branch out because they're not going to magically, I mean SEO works, but you know what I mean? They're not going to magically find you instantly with no work for, on their behalf. So you have to come to them and you know tell them what what this is and then bring them in. But ideal member interviews really help clarify and get really down to like what these people are experiencing currently with your product or service and then you know getting to know well as they want to be a part of the community we just went through a whole bunch of these with a client i worked with and it was really interesting just to learn about the differences and i think the client wants all the things all the boxes that you're talking about 
and they want, you know, a lot of people and they want to launch like tomorrow (laughs) and they want to do all these things. And I think there's the thing that you really talked about that I've been really working with a client recently with was getting everybody on board is like the key because once you figure out like, okay, how does marketing fit like a puzzle? Like how does marketing fit? How does sales fit? How does, how do we all work this together? So that we're all in kind of tandem working together, not like opposing like, oh, marketing's over here doing this thing and community's over here doing this thing. No, like how are we going to like, we're all one company under one brand. So let's work together and create cohesiveness, I think is what, what, what I was hearing anyway. No, absolutely. And, and, and I've said it, uh, you know, various places and in the book as well, like the community is the, the front door of the experience for most customers, either at, or even prospects when they're doing research about your brand. Mm -hmm. And so it behooves the other departments to uh, participate and be part of it, but it's also on us as community builders to be the marketing for the community in the sense of tell, you know, explaining the value and the impact and cause no one else is going to do it. Like uh, the reality is like, if you're not the cheerleader for your community, no one's going to be the cheerleader for mm-hmm. your community. So you've, and it's tough, right? Because um, what I've, you know, like I said, the benefit of, ha- you know, dealing with hundreds of communities over the last decade is you would be amazed at how many community builders are introverts or, or don't realize that the majority of community builders are introverts, um, but extroverts when it comes to online communities. So they they have trouble in person, you know, telling the story or or doing it. But you know, they're great at the community job. Like they're great community builders. They they connect folks and they do really well behind the keyboard. But now if they have to go present to a CEO or something of this nature, it's like uh, you know I don't want to do that. But but that becomes the problem. And it's you know if, I would say if there's any skill that people need to work on, it's they've got to understand that in order to um, get the support and the survival of those communities, they've got to step out of that shell to have those conversations and make the connections. And, you know, like I know there's like a, some individuals will say, Oh, you don't want marketing in the community or you don't want them involved or, you know, push them away. Um, And I just don't think that's a sustainable uh, model. I think you, you have to recognize that, especially in B2B communities, you're going to, you're going to have to deal with marketing. Um, so what are the ways that you can, and going back to the MVP principle and stakeholders is, you know, what are those things that they care about and how can you work together in presenting things in a way that gives value for both? Yeah. So like at the end of the day, like marketing wants leads or whatever that they want, but there are things that your your community wants. And so there can, there is a way that you can balance those things. So like one of the things I've always seen be really successful are these community, um, guides or playbooks that come out where people will share their best practices, you know, so the community gets the opportunity to showcase their expertise and professionalism and, you know, up, up level their skill and have an opportunity to say, Hey, I'm part of this ebook, you know, of tips and tricks or what have you, you know, that they can tell their boss or put on LinkedIn or on their resume or. I love that. But then at the same time, marketing can use it as a lead magnet, right. To uncover new opportunities and prospects to say, Hey, we have like, I personally, don't know a lot about Photoshop, but I can tell you that if Photoshop put out, here are the hundred best tips from our community about Photoshop for beginners. Like I would download that ebook for sure. <laughs> you know, and I'm sure that the marketing team at, at Adobe would be like, yes, all these fresh leads from Photoshop. And then the people that are in there, like I was, I was one of the 100 
tips taken in Adobe's special book, right? Like it's a, you know, it's a very prestigious thing. And then, um, you know, so, I mean, that's what I'm saying. There's, there's ways that you can, can arrange it. And I think it's on us to kind of be that um, translator of needs and wants, you know, to, to kind of be at the negotiation table uh, in, in some ways to be like, here's what the community wants, you know, like the community may want, I don't know, um, access or swag or whatever it is. And then product team wants this and that, well, Hey, you come together and you can kind of find that balance that that's what it's about. So, um, and it's serving the community yes, and the company at the same time. And like, how do those missions and goals align together? Because if you, I think one of the famous questions I've heard is, have you asked your members? (laughs) (laughs) Have you asked them if this is something they want? I think there's a lot of people out there that want to create a lot of um, things, whatever that is, and that may or may not be helpful. And we don't know unless we talk to people and really validated, oh, this is going to be something that is needed and we validated it. And I think that's where you talk about talking to the different departments, getting, figuring out who your like advocates are, you know, your community advocate people in the company and just tapping on their shoulder being like, Hey, you know, and if you keep, if you keep being your, you're the number one community advocate, like you're the best ambassador, right. As a community manager. And if you keep um, having conversations with people about what's happening in the community, it'll keep staying top of mind versus like when you have a report once a quarter or whatever, and that's your only time that you get to talk to people. If if you could set intentional, I think it's really a great idea to set intentionality around keeping yeah. people up to date and not just with metrics or numbers, which I know we, Richard and I was just on the podcast um, last week that aired already. And, and we talked a lot about numbers and how you use data, which is really helpful, but also these are human beings and there's a, a person, a face behind each number. And so I think what you talk a lot about too, that I was reading was, you know, don't forget that. <laughs> yeah. Well, the people stories are so important. Like I'm, I'm never going to say that data is not important, but you know, the funny thing is um, the people stories are the ones that, pe- that people recall. And I also think that you don't want it to turn into where like, if you're in a marketing meeting and they go, oh yeah, well, the community can take care of that. And it's because they've got a, a a very shallow understanding of what the community does. And then you're kind of like, well, no, actually that's not, you know, right. you, you, you want to have that um, ability to have that conversation before that happens and kind of, um, you know, deal, deal with it and, and, and kind of, um, you know, ha- have a bit of control over your destiny in some sense that you're part of that conversation and, uh, I'm doing it. But to me, like the stories are always the best part. Like I always say, like, if you're going to report on some, any, any metric and, um, you know, it's not, it's sometimes it's not only one metric. There, there's a couple of metrics that one can look at depending on who your stakeholder is, but having the stories that you can tell, like, Hey, you know what we solved for this or solve for that, or, uh, you know, like there was a customer that was really upset and then, you know, the community was able to come together with a solution that we didn't even think of. Right. Because, our true experts are in the community. Yeah. Especially in product communities, right? Like there's there's so much knowledge out there from people that use things day to day that and when you're in real world situations that you that people will not recognize or or not know about. And then um 
they just come together and, and, and can solve for it. So um, how long did it take? How long do you think the average community takes to build um, from, you know, concept, you know, community concept to um, launch? What is what is that time frame look like? Do you think? That's a good question. I mean, I've seen people do it very quickly, but I mean, in terms of healthy and and kind of rocking and rolling. Without the anxiety or like, oh shit factor of are we putting something out? Yeah. I mean, it usually takes between six to eight months, a little bit longer, maybe a year. And, um, you know, a dirty secret is a lot of contracts for community vendors. They want to be three years. And the reason is because it takes about three years for the machine to be rocking and rolling that you're seeing full ROI and value. Thank Um, you for saying that too. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, no one wants to say it, but Hey, I'll say it here. That's real. We've got to start being realistic about this stuff. Yeah. I mean, it does. I mean, the biggest annoying thing for me as a consultant is to talk to people that have no understanding of the, the, the real life that we live in. And I think not all the people that I'm talking to are saying like ridiculous numbers, but I think that there's this misconception that um, you you open, you put the, we're open sign and people just come. And, you know, if you create enough sequences or SEO that it's all going to work. And I think the the first, the first 12 months are, oh shit. Okay. This doesn't work. I don't know if I'm allowed to swear, but okay. Oh shit. Go ahead. So it's, you know, it's the, it's the first 12 months are the, oh shit, let me modify, figure out, get the recipe right. Usually by the end of year one, usually people are kind of on the right path. Year two, you're, you've kind of got it going and you're starting to hit it, but by year three, most communities are, um, it firing in all cylinders and kind of found their way. But see, this is why I always find funny is because sometimes we'll, people will look at our showcase and be like, oh, I want to do like this community. And, you know, I've had the benefit of seeing like, yeah, they didn't build that overnight. Like it took, it took many iterations and time. Yeah. Like usually like the first iteration in that first year, they do a basic theme out of the box, you know, not that much customization. Then, you know, they start to get a sense of what the community is. And I'm, I'm, by the way, I'm, I'm talking about people that do this in a healthy and proper way, right? They they start to get a sense of what the community is and the vibe and the culture. And then they work collectively with the community, start to make tweaks to the theme, start to introduce programs. You know, you're already in like year two doing that kind of thing. And like I said, year three is usually when that is. So that's why um, I know sometimes it could guess I get accused, I guess, of being at the vendor side, oh, we're being greedy and we want to lock people in. Um, the reason it's 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 not to be, I mean, obviously we want people to be in long-term contracts as healthier, but it's also to give them the time to see the success with the community before they make a decision and say, oh, it doesn't work, you know, because it takes time. And, and yeah. you know, I think it's uh, a good point to say that a lot of people are like, if if they don't get results and you know, 30, 60, 90 days in the first, you know, quarter or two. Um, a lot of times people, especially probably in this industry, in this market time right now that we're in the, the economy or maybe like, well, maybe that wasn't a good decision or we need to put our resources elsewhere, you know, or, or whatever. And that can be really challenging yeah, um, to stick through that this time right now that we're living in. I mean, you're making a good point and, and kind of what I was saying about why cargo is a living document. The goals that you're going to have at the beginning when you're starting out are not going to be the goals at year two or year three. Um, but I also, um, I would challenge people that say that you you don't get ROI or results in 30, 60, 90 days. You do. You just have to know what you're measuring for. Like the yeah. ROI may not be 
like it ROI doesn't necessarily need to be dollars, right? It could be just happiness. It could be, you know, loyalty. It could be, you know, affinity to the brand. It can, you know, well, connection. And it you know? just takes time to herd cats or however you want to yeah. say that to get people here and to get them functioning through the flows and, and to build habits and rituals and routines yeah. and all oh, of that absolutely. kind of stuff. That takes quite a long time. I was curious what your thought is on ambassador programs. I know you said a little bit ago that um, you said you've, you've done some ambassador programs in the past with some, some organizations. So I think, I mean, it's interesting. I know that, uh, who was I talking to? I, I, I I couldn't remember, but they're like, you need to have an ambassador program on day one. I'm not necessarily a fan of, uh, unless you're doing a straight ambassador program. But I think identifying ambassadors and, and kind of keeping track or having a way to know who those folks are from day one is an important thing. I think it's important to kind of understand what the community is and the culture and understand it a bit better because it's kind of like, um, I guess this is my, my, like my political science brain from when I studied it in school. They, they used to always talk about uh, political documents will be written out, but what ends up happening in, in true life is always something different. And communities are kind of the same ideas that you may have an idea of what your cargo is, your community plan, and then you actually get the people in there and it's not at all, or it's very different. And so if you're going to, I would much, much more um, recommend that people identify these individuals that are doing the good things, but hold back on creating a full-fledged program until they understand the community out front. Although, like I said, there are, uh, companies I'm aware of that launched straight with an ambassador program. Like I think of Foursquare that's on our, our on the uh, Higher Logic Vanilla platform, and it's a ambassador community. Like it's only for their ambassadors, and that's how they launched it. But um, that has iterated many times over the last several What's years. What's it called? Foursquare. Foursquare. So wasn't a, that wasn't that an app like back in the day? They're still around, my dear. <laughs> they're still around. All they're right. still around. Yeah, I mean they they do they do and I should have said my dear, I'm sorry. Um but uh they uh they uh yeah, it's the location data app, the you know, the folks that you know, and they have a, a, a space for their ambassadors and super users to have conversations with the company and talk about things. And it's a very uh hyper-focused community, but it's been um it's been uh you know it many iterations over the years on it. Um yeah. What do you think the difference is between ambassador, advocate, and affiliates with brands? Well, I mean, affiliates is a totally different thing, right? Because those are people that are making money from selling and, Mm -hmm. you know, doing that kind of thing. And um, I I would would say ambassadors and advocates are pretty similar in my view, and I could be wrong, but I mean, that's kind of how I see it is that they're um, advocating on your behalf. I mean, an ambassador is advocating on your behalf and, and kind of doing it in that way. And I guess it all gets down to the definition and semantics. Are they paid? Are they doing it out of altruistic Volunteer versus they're getting something on the back end, whether it's benefits or some monetary thing, um, or, or, and even voluntary is, you know, limited, right? We, I think there is a time period where there are some people that are going to be really interested in being a volunteer for a time. You know, I don't know what your thought is on that. Well, I, I mean, I don't know if you got to that part in the book, but I say that if you're not careful with your ambassador programs, um, these volunteers are could also be called future plaintiffs. Yeah. Uh, because there are very, you, you have to talk to lawyers because there are 
very strict laws, especially in the states, uh, United States, uh, concerning um, on what you're allowed to ask of a volunteer and at what point a volunteer becomes an employee. And there's a very famous case with AOL and what happened with that. And, uh, mm. you know, I know there are some in the community space that say, oh, you shouldn't involve a lawyer. It's, you know, I personally would always involve a lawyer because it's better to, you know, uh, especially if you're at a B2B company in a large brand, you have a target on mm. your back and um, you you just don't want to be that community builder that gets that created a program that you didn't talk to your law, your law team about. And then it becomes a situation. Good um, point. That's a good point. Um, to me. Yeah. We just kind of assume, Oh, we'll just do a volunteer thing. And then all of a sudden you cross a line and someone says, Hey, wait a second, I should be paid for all this. And yeah, you know, most lawyers and you, can, and you can't do. dump a lot of stuff on a volunteer and then expect them to be like, yeah, let's I'll, I'll spend 40 hours a week doing this now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, listen, there are, there are some really, great people out there that are super passionate, although in B2B communities, it's less likely than B2C communities, but you just have, yeah. you have to be careful because, um, you know, at what point does it cross a line that you're asking too much of someone? And then it becomes a situation. And I know plenty of community builders who don't talk to lawyers or just say, Oh, I don't want to deal with that. Um, and to me, they're, they're just um, playing with fire, to be honest. Like I, it, it makes me way too nervous because I've seen things go the other way. Um and, you know, usually if you explain things, it, it all maybe just is a bit of wording, you know, especially if you're doing any remuneration of any kind for what they do. Like, you've got to make it really clear that it's a volunteer program and you're doing it at your own um, volition and things of this nature. But, you know, like I say in the book, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not giving legal advice here. But the only advice I would give is, like, talk to a, talk to a lawyer or your legal team or, you know, run it by someone just so that you're, you're really careful because... I can guarantee you like the really large B2B communities have lawyers that have looked at these things because they know, they know the risk that's involved. Yeah. It's really great. Good, good tips. We're wrapping up rapid fire questions. Uh -oh. um, <laughs> rapid fire. Well, not really rapid fire. You can, you could expand if you want. Um, all I was going to say was what's the one thing I, I think you already kind of answered this, but what's the one thing that you would tell yourself if you were starting out and you like, you knew what you knew now and you could go back and, and you could plop the book on the Adrian's <laughs> desk, but you could also give them this really good tip in case they're feeling overwhelmed by reading a book. What could they, what was the one thing be that you could tell that person? To yourself? Everybody, everybody makes mistakes. Hmm. You're going to learn. You, I, and it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, um, something I always hold true to myself is like uh, failure and mistakes are fine as long as you learn from them and don't make the same ones again and again. And I think that's the thing that you need to know. And, you know, uh, you know, I joke that I wish I had the book to kind of avoid the mistakes that I, I had done when I first launched the community, but you know what, I needed to make those mistakes so that I knew not to do them and be able to go. And, and thankfully I'm, I'm there and able to tell other people, Hey, don't use sock puppets. It's a really bad idea. You know, don't create fake accounts. It's not, it, it, it's not going to end well for you. You know, don't yeah. buy a software that doesn't have spam prevention. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and knowing, yeah, and I think there's, are, those are good points of just really, and it comes down to intentionality. It comes down to being really aware of intentional of goals and, and the roadmap and the, the purpose and why we're doing this in the first place. But in reality, it's people and people are unpredictable and people are going to do what they're going to do. It's like you create this beautiful space and then people come. 
<laughs> well, I mean, it's and like, then it, they it, mess it up amazingly with well, their I mean, amazing yeah. words and like comments and all these things, not messing it up in the sense of messing it up, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. But crazy, I mean, like I, I, as an example, like one of the mistakes I made and I talk about this books, I, I, employ not employed but i had a moderator who while i was sleeping deleted all the content of the community because i didn't know how to hire a moderator properly i thought i did i learned how not to hire and i've never made that <laughs> mistake since but you know i've made other mistakes but every time i've made a mistake i've learned i've learned from it yeah you know i thought you choose a moderator who answers the most posts seemed like a nice guy Nope. <laughs> what's the um, last question? What's the best um, tip that you have as far as creating a B2B community that will thrive through these challenging times? What, what would be like one thing that really impacts a community, whether it lives or dies? Um, so for me, the, the it's funny. People want to talk to me about span and cargo, but to me, the MVP principle most valuable people is the one thing that you need to consider. And just so that I say it again, so people hear it, it's not talk about in the book, but it's thinking about the internal stakeholders and what do they care about? What keeps them up at night, right? Because just as community uh, people are feeling the pressure of maybe losing their job with the recession and layoffs, these people are also concerned about it. So if you can come to them and say, hey, we have this space that we're building that can help you look good and let me work with you to make you look good and let's work together and figure this out. And also working with the people that are in your community and having the conversation about like, what are the things like you were talking about intentions and things that people want? Like we all have things that we care about, you know, especially in, in, in um, economic trying times, right? People want to, you know, um, increase their education, certification, professionalization, things of this nature, right? So if you can create a community, a B2B community where people can, upskill and learn new skills and and showcase them and get accredited that's great right so that there's you know for me being part of a community where i can profession you know advance professionally you you've done something really good for me and then internally at your at your company maybe in turn for getting these accreditations people are doing a case study or they're doing uh, you know, reference calls, so like every reference call that you do, you get 10 points and those 10 points are then redeemable for a certification. Like, that's what I mean. There, there are ways that you can work together and, and solve for both. You're giving people in the community the value of professional advancement and you're giving the company, uh, you know, case studies, referenceable calls, um, advocates, reviews on G2, whatever those things are. Right. And then you're, it's a win-win for everyone. It's just, you have to think creatively in that way. And yes, I know it's kind of ugly because you have to kind of be a translator where you, you're taking, you know, you know, what people are saying and then twi not twisting it, but rewording it so that it's understand, right? Because you can't go to a community and say, hey, you're going to help us get more sales by being a referenceable customer. Like it's kind of a thing. But if you're able to say like, we're going to help you upskill and, 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 and future protect you in, in terms of where your career is going, well, that's a much better um, offer, right? And, and something yeah. that you can get people on board with. Cool. Thanks. Thanks so much, Adrian, for being here and sharing all of your amazing wisdom. Uh, for everyone listening, what's the best way to get that book, The Accidental Community Manager? So it's available at all fine bookstores, but the easiest way is actually just if you go to adrianspire.com, 
uh, there's a button with uh, with an icon for the book, and it's available at Amazon, Chapters, Barnes and Noble, um, even at libraries. If if it, the library is connected with Hoopy Digital, um, you can get a copy at the library. Um, but you know, I also have a newsletter where I share tips and tricks, and um, you can find me on LinkedIn and all the various other spots. But AdrianSpire.com is the the home of all things um, related to the thanks, book. Thanks, Adrian. Yeah, makes it you easier. Get from Canada. I'm 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 glad to be uh be your friend today in this uh this day. Um thank you so much for sharing your time and wisdom with us. Um for everybody listening, thanks so much for tuning in today. If you found value out of this episode, uh please share it with a friend, fellow community man- accidental community manager maybe. <laughs> and uh until the next time, I hope you're finding calm uh in this day, evening, afternoon or Tuesday or Wednesday at 3.30. Take care. Until the next time. See you later. Bye. Bye, everyone. Hi, this is Deb Shell, and I'm super excited to let you know that I'm writing a book. Yes, uh, it might not be a big deal for you, but it is a big deal for me. Um, As I I work through writing the Creators Community Builder book, I've decided to launch a crowdfunding campaign, and I'm super excited to share with you that this is where I'm asking you for your help. I need to reach $5,000, and at this moment, we've raised about um, $1,110. So thank you so much for all of the people who have um, supported this project to this point. I wanted to let you know with updating you today that I'm extending this campaign to the end of the year. So by December 31st, my goal is to raise $5,000 for this book. The estimates are about um, $10,000 of, of cost of public publishing, printing, uh, a limited you know, amount of copies and um, paying for a designer. So I've just, uh, I just started um, reconnecting with our book designer. He's gonna be getting me some proposals next week and I'm gonna start um, with a new cover design for you, hopefully before the end of the year. So um, that's my update for today. Thank you for um, supporting me so far. If you haven't um, supported this project yet, please go to the show notes and check out the I Fund Woman crowdfunding campaign for the new book, Creator to Community Builder. I'm super excited. Thanks so much for all who've supported. Mm-hmm.